So it's like, even though it frustrates me that there wasn't a, there is no, there are no blueprints to it, because I like to anchor myself to something to then play. I think the beauty of art is just like science, is that you can't finish it. You know, like I can't complete art. Right? I can't complete science. It's just, there's always something for you to do. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm the host and creator, Baroness, and this week's episode is part two of my conversation with artist Lee Putman. If you haven't heard part one yet, please listen to last week's episode as it's part of the direct continuation of the conversation. Thank you very much. Movement is a key element in Lee's work. Painting street dancers and drawing animals allows him to explore the way in which the smallest actions make the biggest differences. Yeah, so that's I like that. I think that's really interesting, and I think it's a good point because, and it's actually it's something I posted actually a while ago on, on one of my a good friend of mine, say good friend, an artist friend that I spoke to a long time ago for the podcast, mm. um, episode thirty six, if I remember off the top of my head, <laughs> thirty five or thirty six, thirty five or thirty six. Donna mm. Irvin, absolutely wonderful lady, with the best Scottish accent ever. Honestly, so lovely. Um, and she posted about the idea of, I can't remember exactly what it was, what the topic was, which is funny, because I remember what I said, but I can't remember the topic. Um, and it was the idea of like artists making money or like kind of artists looking at themselves. And, and I said to, and I posted like, you have to decide what kind of life you want as an artist. Like, do you want to be a Damien Hurst who doesn't have to worry about money, who can create whatever you want? You know, like you have to figure out like, what is important to you? Is money important to you? If so, how are you going to make that money? That, like, you know, I always say to people, and I give people advice as if I actually have any advice to give. Uh, but I say to people, <laughs> like, like, sit down and ask yourself, like, how much money do you want to make during the year? And then reverse engineer it. Like, how are you going to make that money? How much work yeah. are you going to sell? What, you, what price are you going to sell this work for? How are you going to cater to different audiences? All that kind of fun stuff. Like, I say fun stuff. All that kind of fun stuff. Like, how are you going to how are you going to cultivate the life you want other than just being like, oh yeah, well, I guess I'll create this work and throw it out there and see if it sells. It's like, that's not going to make your work sell. You need to kind of have an idea of what you're doing and then reverse engineer it and then be like, okay, this is what I need to do. Cause you're going to have a goal to work towards. Otherwise you're going to flounder and be like, oh, I'm just trying to sell work and no one's buying it because it's price too high or price too low. You know, again, you know, unless you want to create, you know, 365 pieces every single day for like, you know, a pound to make ends to make ends meet, you know, you need to think about like, what are you doing? Because time is money. And as an artist, you are investing time into what you're doing. It's not yeah. a joke at the end of the day. Like your the decision for you to be here for say, for instance, is probably going to cost you somewhere along the line. <laughs> Definitely going to cost you somewhere along the line in that respect. Like you don't have, particularly something like art, which, which requires for the most part, a lot of time. Um, I think it's important for people just to kind of really consider like what do you actually want from this you know no I, like yeah I couldn't I, I couldn't agree more on that actually that was um you know I mentioned earlier about like say like the five years and uh, yeah. after you leave work and you know um one of the things that I decided was that I want to be able to do this and support my family and Welcome bring my family out of that three, financial three, poverty three, 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 three. through art and it was Welcome either to going to work 
a platform dedicated or I was going to die trying. That's just that's just how it is. And I'm it's because I, I made a decision about what, like you said, this, I just made a simple decision about what it is that I wanted. Not easy, but simple. And it's, you know it does everything, man. In those moments when you think that, oh, man, like, is, this, is this worth it? Should I go back and get that job or that place that can Movement give me that financial security for a bit? Painting street dances no, I'm not, and drawing I'm animals done. allows them to explore the way like, in which this I haven't done the thing that I said I was going to do and I want to do that thing. And, and, and it's just, to contemplate how like, the after a while, you, it's like there's like, um, there's this threshold that you, at least I feel this was like for me, there's this threshold that you pass. And me and my little brother were talking about this. Here, the same thing with him with acting is that, that you realize you're actually closer to making it whatever that is for you than not making it rather than going back and you realize that actually going back would take longer than just continuing so you think okay cool even though it's still a long way to go i'm past halfway if you can measure yeah. that through discernment and you just say cool and let's carry on although i do also think just my opinion is that i do think there is actually nothing wrong with being a part-time artist without with having a part-time job and being an artist absolutely yeah i feel like there's because i feel like a lot of people i meet who are part-time artists really desperately want to be full-time artists and i always feel like being a full-time artist is not for everybody you know you need a very certain you need to be disciplined you need to be organized you need to have a certain kind of skill set to really be tenacious enough to be a full-time artist because it's not easy it's not i'm although that made it out like, like it is but it's not you know you just painting in the studio it's not just you just chilling it's it's no. it's work you know at the end of the day it's making a lot of decisions about how you're going to plan your day and structuring your life and honestly like it you you have to kind of you have to filter your whole life around it you know it's not just a, oh i'm just gonna create work so i, I personally yeah, feel like there's nothing wrong with having a part-time job or working as an artist when you can not all the time I think there's, there, that is a valid path for people to take also because, um, yeah, yeah, I just meet a lot of people, especially at art fairs, the other art fair especially, um, a lot of artists who are like, oh, they, and you can kind of see like, not the desperation, but like the, what's the best word, what's the best word to use? It's not going to get me into I think trouble. desperation fits, Matt. Having been in that position, I think desperation is, a, is a, an appropriate word. But yeah. It's like the desperation of like, oh, I want to be full time. I, I need to make this work. And it's like, but be comfortable with what you have now because there was a time in your life, which is my philosophy in life. There's a time in your life where what you have now man. is what you would have wanted. Um, and the, rather than be like, what's the next thing that I could have, which is great to try for. You should always strive for more if you fancy it. But it's like also be grateful for what you have because there was a moment in time you didn't have it and it could easily be taken away. You know, nothing is, is guaranteed. You know, mm. particularly when it's not like art, nothing is guaranteed. So I don't know. I always feel like it's always valid to say and also remind people that like you don't have to be a full time artist and be incredible and be an artist. That that's not a requirement. Yeah, know? Matt. Like, I mean, those two things of like absolutely. I think it and it that I think depends on what it is that you want. If you if you want to make art and you want some of that financial stability from work, or you don't want to have to invest or go through those hurdles or that that just forest of 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 figuring things out to become a full-time artist absolutely man if you, if it, almost like um if the thing itself uh, what what's the word i'm trying to think of here it's when um yeah if if the if it's autotelic there we go if it's just the thing itself it serves its purpose just by doing the thing absolutely you can be a part-time artist and i think 
I say I said this to my sister was that like um I really want her to go and travel. She's like 24 now. Mm. I really just want her to go and travel and like do things like I want to start taking her out next year just around Europe and just do things with her. And I just want yeah. like if she because she's quite like a homebody and uh oh, right and I, I just said I oh, I said yeah. to her look like yeah. it's cool like I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a homebody. I'm just saying that you don't know yet. Like I thought I was the same. 18, I started traveling in, changed my whole perception about everything, right? And it was like, not that her perception will change, but even if you go traveling for a few years, you realize, yeah, actually, oh, I don't like this. I don't like going to different countries. I like what I know. I like doing this stuff. It's like, then you know, you don't ever have to, like, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to guess. And I think there's some magic in that, in like kind of fantasizing, but you don't ever have to feel bad for fantasizing. You can, you can know actually, oh, I really just like my own time. I like sitting at home, chilling out, not doing much and just being, and enjoying my, my time and being present with myself. And I think you can know that, but I think, I think it's very difficult to know what it is that you like unless you experience things that contrast that. 100%. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, really. Sick thoughts. Yeah, like, you know what, as, I, quite hilariously actually, as somebody who, you know, within the last year especially, has just realized like, you need to open yourself to new experiences mm. because otherwise you can waste time or you can feel like you're wasting time by thinking you're a certain yeah. way. Kind of, but like, like being a homebody, like I've always said, and I always say to people, like, I'm very introverted, or like, you know, I'd have seen, as I said to you earlier, I'd have seen at home with a cup of tea, but it's like, I, I'd have to also travel because I've traveled before and I will travel and I have plenty of plans to travel this year. And it's like, you don't know until you do it. And then once you do it, you're like, okay, what can I do next that I might be interested in? And then you, you kind of go further and further and you push yourself and you learn about yeah. yourself, which is important, which you're not going to do if you just do the one thing that you're always, again, it's about being comfortable. It's like, if you, take yourself out of your comfort zone and also comes back to what we're saying about knowing yourself like you'll learn about yourself and i just kind of feel like i completely agree i think that's a great idea and i think also somebody like yourself who has the knowledge and has the willingness to be like oh actually no i i would give you this advice and i think you should do this i think that's really really valuable actually because i think realistically it's not like your sister has to be like oh let me go and try it or i'm not sure it's like well actually she can ask you for your advice and you would give her valid yeah. advice so I think that's also good. Having that mentor role, I think is important as well. And it's having someone you can, you know, talk to about kind of your thoughts and feelings or like whatever kind of journey you want to take. And actually, I guess the question, did I put this on the list? Probably not. But like, uh, and obviously it's a jury chooser, but would you ever be like a mentor, like an art mentor to somebody? I don't think you did put that question on, but that's a good question. Um, would I be a mentor? Yeah, I think that's kind of like the inevitable progression of what it is that I like doing. Like, I love teaching. I think that's what I want. Like, that's, that's why I'm doing this. So like, but kind of like, so the long answer for this is that my goal is to know that I think just for the people that I'm teaching in, in like in colleges or in universities or wherever it may, may be, is that they trust that I'm not there because I'm trying to earn money, but they know I'm there because I just like teaching. And I want to be so financially secure and free outside of that environment that if I wanted to, I could teach for free. I could offer two days a week and teach for free. And I could say like, here's my time, just so you, like, just so you know. And it's like, I, I always say to, to them, like, I love, I love learning so much. I just like watching other people do it. So I just facilitate other people learning. And I think, um, like that's fun in itself. And like a particular like skill I have is, is uh, in teaching, I think is developing people's technical ability. So skill building. Um, but one of the things I like doing 
is teaching people how to think through things like art or dance. So I'll use that as a a medium to teach people a wider lesson. And I think that probably is where mentorship starts. Um, and I think I would like to, but having had good mentors, I take the position really seriously. So I wouldn't want to just jump into it and adopt um, yeah. that kind of role for someone. And then not that I'm afraid of making a mistake in that sense, but not considering what it actually would mean to that person and then kind of not committing to it fully. Cause I, I like to commit to things and yeah. I, I would feel, I would just feel terrible if, if I decided, cool, I want to do this for someone. I want to mentor them. And then I started making bad decisions because I hadn't considered what it takes to be that for someone. So yes, but I think um, it's going to take some years for me to, um, if people want me to, obviously it's going to take some years for me to kind of wrap my head around how I can best do that. I think that's absolutely a good idea for you. Absolutely. absolutely. I really do. I can absolutely see that happening. I generally can. So I'm just like, when are you going to uh, run a class then? Because I feel like stuff like that, like when are you going to write a course? Because I feel like that's the kind of stuff you would absolutely do. I can imagine you being really good at it, which is interesting. Thanks. Um, I just, I don't know. There's something about just the way you present yourself and the way you talk and your passion and also just kind of like how seriously you take things, which probably sounds funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I can tell that like, it means a lot to you. Being able to give back means a lot to you. And it's funny because what you do in your work, because your work is very much about giving back. So it's kind of, it's interesting parallel for me on the outside to say, but yeah, I think you as a mentor would be absolutely perfect. I think you'd be so good at that. Thanks man. I generally think you would. Cause I feel like you have, so you have, what's interesting for me, like you have an openness about you, which I like, um, which is why when I spoke to you with Constance, like I was like, I would love to interview you. Cause you have like, just an openness and an honesty like it's like me talking to you right now like it's comfortable and i appreciate that you know it's not always the same with everybody else so i appreciate that no ditto um yeah i feel yeah. the same because <laughs> i've done this for so i've done this for so long and actually people just tolerate me rambling that's why um so let's talk about archetypes yeah so archetypes is a body of work that centers around street dance and capturing movement so can you talk a bit about the project, like the impetus, like where did the idea come from and how it's evolved over time? Yeah, okay, cool. So uh, the impetus actually came from need feeling like I needed to create a motif. That was the the main start of it, right? So I started um, other series, right? So like the Mortality series where I um, I painted yeah. skulls to kind of show people that they don't need to fear death because that came from having a massive fear of not not existing basically um and i wanted to look at cultures that look at death in different ways where they celebrate life for example as opposed to doing that thing so that kind of came from that um then i would just i kind of played with a couple of different themes ideas and then i was being mentored by an artist called anna mcdonald um who i met when i first visited the other art fair you, you familiar with her who who I'm going to be interviewing at some oh, point see. in about two weeks or maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've just, I actually wrote, I've just wrote up some interview notes for her. I haven't sent them over to her yet, but I've just wrote up some interview She's notes. She's so sick, man. Um, Because she's, she, I'm going to interview her. I haven't, I haven't spoke to her yet about it, so she doesn't know. But um, I'm, I'm planning to interview her the next two weeks. So I've got another interview scheduled for mm. Sunday, uh, but next week, I want to interview her next week. That's my plan. Just my plan of my diary of what I want to do. Probably not right. going to happen, but yeah. But it's so funny you say that because yeah, I know exactly she is because she's on my very much on my radar and my immediate radar, which is weird. Out of all the artists you could have said, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she's been my that's art so mentor for the last like year and a half, two years. Yeah, oh, wow. so, so I'm. 
I'm gonna. I'm, I'm absolutely gonna have to mention you now. Yeah, perfect. yeah. She, yeah, she, like, she's been. <laughs> yeah, she's been amazing, man. Like, there's no, there's no other word for it. She's been. Like, she's really helped, man. Like, she helped me get into the other art fair. She helped me think about myself as an artist. She helped me. Like, within a year, she helped me. Comp- she changed how I was thinking about myself and art completely. Like, she was just. And she, I mean, that's what she does as part of her, her career as well. Is is the mentor artists, and I can be like a massive spokesperson for her because she's really good at it. Like she's she's really very good. If you're willing to put in the work, she's she's the best man. Um, and yeah, so uh, she helped me, and she helped guide me to kind of understand what my work was about by kind of um, understanding that, like kind of you were mentioning earlier that your work is a representation of who you are, whether you are aware of it or not. And it was what the, the process that she went through with me was making me aware of the things that my work was representing about me. And when I was aware of those things, I realized the freedom that it gave me was, was this, the exact same as the skills that you develop give you freedom with an art, right? So if, you're, if you have high skills, you get freedom because you can make the decisions you want and you can affect the things that you want whenever you want. And that gives you a certain level of freedom. And if you understand um, what to make decisions about, then you can have that freedom. And and I realized that I love dance and I love fine art. I love um, connecting gaps and seeing where there are holes in a, a subject or an area and filling them. Um, and one of the holes I saw, the, the things I could connect was my time in the, so I mentioned earlier that I would spend a lot of time in uh, the National Portrait Gallery. And one of the things that I liked at the time was talking to, uh, just for, just as an image, like kind of older white people that wouldn't, maybe middle class, that wouldn't necessarily know anything about street dance or be interested in that, and then finding connections with them and street dance. And one thing that they said to me a lot when we we're looking at portraiture was they liked the poses. So I'd always ask them, I was trying to learn. I'd say, like, what do you like about the painting? And they would always tell me the same thing. Oh, yeah, like the artist who made it was blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but what do you like about it? Like, like, and I would always expect them to say, like, they used this certain technique that was amazing. And they would always talk about the figure and say, oh, the figure looks really cool in this way or whatever. And sometimes they would talk about the poses. And and I remember the poses that they would talk about. I would say, oh, yeah, we do them poses and popping. I was like, if you like this, you would like popping. They'd always laugh. And I was like, uh, no, no, that's cool. And then one or two of them, I showed it. And they, were, and they kind of like, they were not like, is the word platitude where you kind of like, you politely kind of say something. It wasn't. Yeah, they'll, they'll go along with yeah, it. Yeah. It, like, I, yeah. like kind of, it sort of seemed like that in the beginning. And then I'll show like a video or two or whatever. And then they actually, they would ask me more questions about the dancers. And I'm like, oh, you're actually interested in it. So you just needed some kind of point of entry to be able to enjoy this thing, right? So it was a case of, oh, so if there's a connection there. So I realized that in uh, street, so in street dance, we have street dance is an umbrella term for the type of dances that you would do, quote unquote, in the street. Um, but there are styles that come from street culture or hip hop culture, right? And each of these names under street dance has their own category and all umbrella terms. So you have like a thing called hip hop freestyle, right? Which is um, stuff that you might might see. I don't know where you would see actually. Le Twins is probably the most famous street dancers, the f- two French twins uh, that dance. They dance with yeah. Beyonce. Um, you've got breaking or break dancing, as people know it, um, which will be in the Olympics now, Red Bull events, people spin on the head and whatever. That's what people know as. Um, you've got yeah. stuff like um, popping, which is stuff that I like. So it's kind of like robotic dances, stuff that you would see. Uh, people do like backslides, moonwalks, or whatever. Um, but in popping, 
um, we have certain postures or poses that you do. And those poses and postures um, are actually very similar to stuff that you would find in different cultures like fashion. Uh, as a thing called contraposto. And the most famous visual of contraposto pose is the statue of david so that pose that statue of david does where he's like kind of putting shifting his weight on one hip dropping a shoulder and lifting his hand up that pose is called contraposto means counter pose and the idea is to show dynamic movement whilst being relaxed right that's the the kind of idea of it so in, you'll see it in fashion uh, like supermodels or like fashion walks or high fashion weeks whatever um they'll do it all the time as they're walking they shift the weight and they kind of they show that dynamic change between hips and shoulders and i realized in popping we do that stuff all the time and there were certain other poses throughout history serpentine figure and the the ad Lucutio as well um i won't go into them but those different fancy sounding names they're just different poses right um but we we play around with these types of movements and poses in popping, and I figured, okay, cool. What if I, um, what if I showed people that were middle class, that like fine art, that like these poses, that we also use these poses in creative ways that they haven't ever seen before? Would they be interested? And then I thought, well, would street dancers that I know be interested in being represented and put in those spaces and being seen in that light? So it was just a case of kind of exploring that. Um, it was a connection that I hadn't seen anyone else on the planet do before. So I was like, all right, cool, let me try it. Like I don't I hadn't seen anyone talk about that, let alone put street dancers in a fine art gallery. So I was like, okay, cool. Like there's a gap there. So the first people that I wanted to con uh to talk about it was with, with street dancers that I knew. So I did this little exhibition in East London with East London Dance. They hosted it and a friend of mine he was doing a um like a film night as part of a week there. Um with a a popping group called aim collective mention everyone um and i showed the dancers i did some like um gestural drawings uh on um handmade decal dead uh, decal edge paper and everyone loved it everyone thought it was really cool they loved how it was represented they liked the drawings they like what i was doing with it so okay cool then let me put it in fine art spaces i took it to the other art fair people really liked it i made a couple paintings um i talked about it and i realized that People liked the movement being captured, but their eyes would glaze, glaze over. The second I said contraposto or ad lacutio, they would just stop paying attention to what I was saying. And I was like, okay, cool. There's, so there's no point of actual connection there. It's the movement that they're interested in. And I realized through being mentored with Anna, that's what I liked as well. I liked capturing movement and I liked drawing things that move, which is why I don't like landscapes or anything like this. Um, hmm. So it then became about capturing the these different types of movement within street dance and how uh and trying to give life to a static image and to show the types of movements so then it came about layering images so then in one figure i would draw the figure two or three times to show how that figure moved whether it be in a single spot or across the canvases or across mo uh, multiple canvases um, and then there were different styles that I came across um, in painting or in drawing that kind of uh, was able to complement that. So now it's about showing the movement of it, um, or it has been about that. And I'm moving rapidly into showing the aesthetic of street dance. So the paintings that I've made, um, they're cool and I love them, but they're not how I want to paint. And it's uh, it doesn't for me. It, it's it very much looks like a. How would I say this without kind of shitting on my own work? Um, it very much looks like someone has tried to paint street dance in a fine art way. And I don't want to do that. I want to show street dance for what it is yeah. on a canvas.
and I'm kind of moving in the direction of making it way more free and way more expressive and less constrained and confined whilst doing the same things that I like. But yeah, that's what I, that's how I would describe what I'm doing currently and how it got there. But that's interesting for me because maybe having it more contrived and having it more obvious, I guess is probably a good way to put it, is that maybe that's the entry point for you to have understood what is you want to do mm. now. Because like that's the interesting thing is that like it's evolved over time. Mm. And I absolutely love this idea that you went to the National Project Gallery and spoke to people about popping and you're like, actually, I'm going to bring that yeah. in here. And you did that. Like, I love that idea. And that's really, really interesting, actually. The idea of bringing, as you know, as we discussed earlier, the idea of bringing something that's not within this realm from a yeah. different realm. Like, you know, like bringing street dance, dance, another creative endeavor into the art world. You know, I think that's something really, really kind of powerful about that. Because again, it, it means that your work is more original. You said that no one else has done it before. That's because people don't often or people don't necessarily kind of um, collate different kind of realms or industries or artistic endeavors together to form a different, like a, an almost kind of like a hybrid. Because it's interesting, because now your work will reach people from both a fine art perspective and from a dance perspective. Yeah. And you, you you get to kind of educate people for both, through both. Like that's, to me, that's really interesting because it broadens your perspective and also your audience, you know, from two things that you absolutely love. And it's not like you're doing it for a certain amount of money or for like a certain kind of notoriety. notoriety. It's because you love both worlds and you're happy to be in that, the middle di the middle place of the Venn diagram, you know? I think that's really cool. Like same, man. And I think like, thank you. Like, but like, same, I feel like it's really interesting for me to, to connect the two people that I like, like I'm sure we've all we've all got um, friends or friendship groups that don't mix, you know, because they're they're for different mm. reasons. And I don't think they they have to, but I think it would be silly to think that they don't have anything in common or that they can't communicate at all, right? So it's like it's re it's, it was really interesting to me, especially at the other art fair, having people that might I don't know in, enjoy sailing on a weekend, for example, talking to my friends who enjoy getting sweaty in a dance studio ciphering until one in the morning you know and and then both talking about something that they both have a common interest in like that was it's uh, like one likes looking at the art one is the art and it's and it's uh yeah it's just it's just really it's just interesting for me just to watch those things happen i think that's a really interesting idea the idea of i think a thread that ties two disparate things together i think there's actually a really interesting way of thinking about art in terms of like Art is the the middle ground for people from different parts of like society or whatever. Um, and that's actually a really interesting way to think about art. Art can be uh, can be like the union. Maybe that's not the way to put it, but like, yeah, that's interesting actually. But in terms of figurative art, so obviously your work is figurative, which means that it, you know, I guess it's such a a, a generic thing to say. Um, but it's, that means it's about the human condition. So like, you know, and the, the kind of state of what it means to be um, not just a person, but the idea of like the figurative form itself, you know, the idea of like, I've explained this terribly, the idea of form and the idea of being human. And it's like, why do you think that like figurative art and the human condition is such a common theme for artists to explore? Good question. Uh, why do I think it is? Why do I think that's a good topic for artists to explore? Possibly because that's what we're always trying to figure out with each other. Like there have been 
countless cultures and societies throughout human history. And people are still writing books on human nature and what it means to be a man or a woman or uh, a dad or a friend or a son or a, a boss or an employee or a creative or whatever. It's like there are so many different opinions on what it means to be a person that all that indicates to me is that people have a real interest in figuring it out. And I think art is one of those things that by its nature allows you to explore a subject. Why is art a good vehicle for you to explore human condition? Just because the nature of art, I mean, it, it's, it's very similar to science, just a slightly different intention and a different audience. But the process is pretty much the same, you know, like you, you have an idea in mind, like there's something that, or there's something that intrigues you. It then provokes a question. And then you have an idea of either how to answer that question or to figure out that answer to that question or whatever. And then you get to through the, the, not the subject matter, but the, the mindset of an artist or a scientist, you get to explore that question. And then that leads to other questions and then other answers and you get to play and learn. But that kind of the, the main thing is playing and learning within those things. And if you're someone who can understand that it's, that it's okay to play and it's okay to learn, then I think naturally you're going to flock to those things and just explore, you know, like whatever, whatever suits you, you know, maybe it's music, maybe it's art, maybe it's science, maybe it's coding or something like this. Maybe you just want to play, learn, explore, answer questions, maths or whatever. But I think, I think it just, it's one of those mindsets that just encourages you to think about things and to play and explore. I mean, that's why like same thing. That's what it does for me specifically. It just lets me play and explore. So your work, as you've said previously, your work is not photorealistic, no. but it's also not particularly abstract. It's it's yeah. realism. Why realism? Why not say photorealism? Because it doesn't look like a photo. But why would it not? Why would you not want it to look like a photo? It's just not how I see things. I think mean, I mean, the important thing about art for me is that I get to see what you see, right? And I want you to see what I see. Mm. And I don't see things in that way. You know, like it's... It's cool from like like don't get me wrong, man. Hyperrealism, photorealism. It's possibly the hardest skill to get in drawing, painting, or image making. Possibly. It's definitely a good argument for it. But it's not interesting for me. Like I don't know what opinions you hold. Like someone who can like a really intelligent person with great memory can give me loads of facts and information i've got some family members and friends like that but the most interesting things about them for me are when they use those skills to be able to explain and explore their opinions and their thoughts on things more so like my cousin he's like uh one of them geniuses you know like 150 or whatever iq or something like this like he's got something nuts yeah. at 150 160 whatever and uh he's just i can ask him about anything and he'll just give me just this really brilliant explanation on how things work law wow. he's got a couple of law degrees he's just like he just knows about everything it builds like ai for fun he's just a genius man and wow i just want to know what he thinks about things that's it so like we'll mm. like i'll do the we'll do this stuff where i'll ask about something he'll tell me and i go and i'm like cool but what do you think like what's that like what do you reckon and it's uh the bit where he can tell me about it is really is like is really like what well, he thinks sorry is really interesting so he wrote a book about ai and he kind of he talks about like the wow. the um 
uh, in it, he talks about the, oh, what's, how do I describe it? Uh, the implications of AI causing any kind of fatalities to humans. Who's held responsible? The machine, the artificial intelligence, or the person who created it? Right. And that kind of that moral argument is fascinating, man. It's fascinating to hear what he that is actually it's super interesting, man. It's like Yeah, no, that's that, that's an interesting question. Right. right? Like, um yeah, no, that is. and it's uh but he's really cool in that sense where he can use his uh his great memory and his his um intellect to be able to explore and play with that question in a really interesting way like write a book about it for example and for me like hyperrealism or a person who can draw or represent images as photorealistic for me they're someone who has that skill but they're not in my from my perspective they're not using it in a way that interests me that tells me really what they think about that thing and I like that I, like I respect it and I like it but I like a bit of it so I'll do it in terms of like that like so I'll render like, I don't know if you can see with the gorilla behind me or maybe in the portrait, like in the dancing work that I do, I'll render some of it as photorealistic. But then there has to be a point of like, either I just want to make it look a bit crap or I want to do it in pencil or I want to do it in charcoal or I want to just spray paint all over it and throw some paint on it or whatever. And it's like, just because that's how I see it. That's, that's, that, that's part of the aesthetic. That's what I enjoy about it. This is like, this is how I see things. This is how I enjoy things. And it's, I think used, it, it, it's kind of like the difference between, I guess, having looking at someone who's a bodybuilder, for example, and then looking at an athlete. Like the bodybuilder looks immaculate. They're amazing. Like they've, they've sculpted their body. Like the level of discipline you need to be able to get to that is insane. Dieting, making sure that not just the dieting and exercise, which it already takes an immense amount of discipline, but to be able to sacrifice your nights out with your friends or sleeping patterns or something where you can't drink certain things you can't eat certain things you have to meal prep you have to make sure that you're exercising at certain times in the day when you want to just be able to relax or go out and see someone or be with your kid yeah. or whatever so to be able to do that is amazing but i can't have fun with that person you know like yeah it's like i want to play i want like but if i'm with an athlete for example and they're like yo i love football it's like yo let's play some kick around or something that's fun like like show me how you sculpt the body you've sculpted can be used in a way that we can interact with. And yeah, I just, I feel like I can't interact with, with photorealism like that. Well, I think that's a, that's a very, very fair argument. I think a lot of people I know and that I talk to about photorealism have the same opinion where like they, they admire the skill and they admire the talent. But it's a very technical thing. Like you've learned yeah. that. It's a skill you've acquired over the years, which is impressive, but it's just impressive. Yes. It's not deeper than that. It's impressive. Um, and also, like, maybe this is a bad thing to say, but I also feel like sometimes your intentions for creating such work can be uh, questioned because, like, are you doing it just to impress people? Like, are you doing Point. it because it's like people will like it? Like, particularly on social media where people stop for quote unquote impressive stuff, you know, like, how do you kind of, I guess, validate creating such kind of work when you could have just took a photo, you know. You could have, but, yeah. You know, that's probably probably not for me to really say that, but yeah. But <laughs> you you're know. right. I mean, and, and it's, like, it's, it's hard to kind of, um, unless, the thing is, like, unless you're talking with someone who's open, honest, and pensive about why they do those things, it's hard to really understand why a person would spend so much time doing that thing. And, um, Unless perhaps it's, um, I don't know, maybe it's something that's just therapeutic for them. Maybe they just like doing those things. Maybe there's someone who's 
maybe that's like they're so organized they can't do anything else they're so rigid in how they live life or maybe they don't have anything in their life that allows them to have structure and that's the thing that gives it to them i'm sure there's a, a bunch of reasons why they like doing those things uh i just i just know it's not interesting to me man but there is an artist i've recently interviewed called sarah jameson um and her work is brilliantly like hyper real but it's not just oh this is hyper real it's always done with an element of playfulness an element of kind of combining things in different ways or like there's there's like a there's a reason for things to exist Mm -hmm. it's not just oh this is a good skill you know and i think that's important in that kind of work but um yes there's a lot of flowers and stuff Talking about oh, your work. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I was just looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no. Also, we're looking at work. I know that's what we're doing. That's what I was doing what we're doing. Yeah. Like her work is it's like really well put mm. together. Like there's a reason for things being put in the way they're put. And like her work explores, you know, the human condition and existence and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but also her work though is very hard to to discern what it's actually about because you look at it and it's beautiful, but it's not not necessarily readable in the same way. Mm. Because you see it and you like it and it's cool and it looks good. It's impressive, but it's not necessarily understandable. Um, Ooh, I'd push back on that, you know? Yeah, okay. so the only pushback I would say, yeah. is I, only because I go through this with my students as well. So we like the, the thing that we do, in ter- look, you know what I said about building discernment? <laughs> the way I do that when with, with new people, when I know that I've got them for a long period of time like over the course of an academic year, is uh, I make them do abstract work, right? So okay. we'll do um, like a... We'll do, there's a few different exercises. One that I've really liked doing, and this is, I'll do it even when I'm teaching them how to draw technically, which is I'll give them a big easel, make them stand up, and I'll slap a piece of paper on it, and I'll give them a stick of charcoal, thin stick of charcoal, and I make them draw lines on it for like 20 minutes to an hour or whatever. Just lines. I just slap music on, and they just have to draw lines. That's the only structure they get, right? And uh, they can do up and down, left, right, whatever, circle, squiggly, short, long, whatever, I don't care just make lines and uh naturally they'll snap the charcoal because they press too much or whatever and as they go along i'll do a little adjustment so cool let's change your arm here let's move your like change the pressure here here's how you hold it and they always have to hold it right at the bottom so they're, they're, they're in danger of snapping so they have to be quite delicate and if they want to be heavy they need to adjust themselves to know how to do that right so make them do it until they fill up the page and then it's always best done in a group of people right if not if you can have like pieces of, of paper where people have done it before to show each other this is helpful. And the reason being is because I want them to look at their own work and I ask them, I'm like, what do you see in it? And they always say lines. And I go, cool, but what do you, like, cool, you've told me lines, describe it more. And they'll go, I don't know, long lines. Cool, say more. And we go through it until they say short lines, long lines, curved, and then they say heavy. And I say, cool, give me a different, give me a different uh, word for heavy. And they'll say maybe uh, thick or pressured or whatever. And then they might say aggressive. I go, oh, okay, cool. Why aggressive? And they say, well, because when you're angry, you press harder and whatever. And I say, okay, cool. So brilliant. So then we go around the room and we look at each other's work and we do this. And then I say to them, cool, now take a step back and look at the piece as a whole. What do you see? Naturally, some will be more chaotic. Some will be more ordered. Some will be more sparse. Some will be more full. And they start using these words like chaotic or organized or kind of light and then some people start saying happy or whatever and at the end of the exercise after like two hours i'm like cool so you've just read art right like you can read drawing 
as long as you understand what it is that you're looking at, looking for, and the language to use. So when people are looking at it, you can start looking at a piece of work and it's just lines on a page. We're all in agreement that it's only lines that you can start looking at work and saying things like that person was happy or that person was angry or they were trying to figure something out or they were distracted. And it worked so well. There was one girl, she just burst into tears and all the, all the other girls hugged her and kind of talked about it. It ends up she was going through something quite heavy at the time. We all talked about it. And she said at the end of it, she was like, yeah, I really needed to let it out and I didn't know who to speak to. And it was just because she was able to just let loose and not focus on anything. There was no trying right. to make a drawing or anything look pretty or nice or like a certain way. They were just using lines on a page. And I think if you're looking at any drawing or any painting, it's just marks on a surface. That's all we're looking at. But if you understand how to take your time and be pensive with it, you can start to see the nuances between those marks on that surface. Some are going to be heavier or darker, which probably means the person is a bit heavy handed or that they were pressing heavy for some kind of reason. Maybe they were impatient. For example, maybe there are loads of short marks. Maybe they're all clustered in one area. Maybe they're very hyper-focused or distracted or whatever. But you can, if you take the time to really look at what's there and, uh, and understand what is needed to make those marks, you might be able to read a little bit into what that person's making. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. really cool. This is why you should be making <laughs> Yeah. No, no, that, no, that's a really good idea and really good way to think about the work itself. But I think the only issue is I feel like I don't think you would get that same experience online that you would seeing Absolutely. it in real life. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that's the problem. I feel like looking at it online is great because it looks nice, but that's not how it looks in real life. In real life, as we know, is yeah, very agreed. different. I think that's probably the only kind of downside, I think, to current contemporary society and the way in which that we see art is primarily online, which I think is more of an issue for people being able to understand it, I mm. think. I think that's probably like the... Uh, yeah, the block. I think that's probably the reason that a lot of people don't necessarily give art enough time is because they're not in the environment to see the art, to understand it in a way that is um, suitable. Because I feel like if you're in a gallery space, you're probably going to spend more time looking at the work because you're in that space and looking at the work because the space is created for that particular purpose. Mm. Whereas if you're scrolling through Instagram because you're in a queue waiting to get some fish and chips, you're not going to really kind of look at art in the same way. Are you just going to scroll through it? So I think maybe the the environment which you see the work would determine how much effort you put into understanding the oh, work yeah, itself. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, presentation is a big key in that, right? Like, even oh, if you yeah. go into a if you go into a nice gallery, there's a piece of work on a table or on the floor. You may not look at it as much, or maybe consider it as much as a piece of work that's on the wall with red ropes around it in a nice frame you know with a nice little plaque on it right next to it like there might be some kind of thing that engages you within uh that work or or encourages you to think of that work in a in a or consider that work with, with more consideration you know or think of that work with more consideration yeah. um i think it's online's the same man i think um I think it's important to know how your work is being viewed on. Like you said, people are, people could be in the shops or whatever, just scrolling. People could be in a conversation scrolling, not really looking at it or whatever, tapping Absolutely. like and just moving on. Have They have no idea and they're not engaged. But I think if you know... Which yeah, is, yeah. No, no, I was going to say, which is weird because it's like the idea of like you being in a conversation with somebody, like you're not really involved in any world because you're not having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. You're not paying attention to that. But then you're also not paying attention to what you're doing on your phone. Like to me, that's bizarre. So like, so what state are you occupying if you're in that position? Yo, 
dis- distanced. Like, that's... They just want to be distanced. I, I reckon. I don't know. Maybe, but that's mm. interesting. I'm like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> like this transition. That's kind of middle state of everything. Um, that's really interesting, actually. Okay. Anyway, we're gonna go that. Then we're gonna right. think about it too much because I'll. Uh, yeah. So, so what role does the viewer play in your work? Uh, well, they're part of it, right? That is, the art isn't finished until they're a part of it. For me, yeah, they're important. So, do you consider them to be a bystander or a participant? Participant, yeah, man. It's like what, like what, like for me, this is an experience. Like, yo, like when I'm painting, I've got music on, I'm singing loud, I'm moving around, I'm making the work, I'm dancing, I'm, I'm, I'm painting on beat in time with the music. I'm doing these different things. It's all spontaneous. And it's always better for me when there is someone to experience some of that with me. Like I want, I want someone to enjoy this with me. Like, like if there's people around, if I can give them a piece, like, cause my work is a bit chaotic and there's a lot of abstract mark making expressionism in there. I want it like, I want it. If someone's watching, I want to give them a crayon or whatever and have them make some marks on the work. I want there to be something involved in it. Right. That, That like, and yeah. if uh, they can't make a mistake, if they if they do something I don't like, I'll just cover it up and I'll do something else, right? If they do something I like, and then it's cool, then there's something that they did that's in the in the painting that that that's which cool. is nice, right? And it's the same thing if uh, if I'm if I'm presenting work to people, I want to chat with them about it. I want to have these types of conversations, you know, like oh, like what does that make you think about? And they tell me about their dog, and I'm like, oh, cool, like what dog you got? Yeah, my mom got. I grew up with dogs. Mom's got a staff, whatever. We just have these conversations, and it's like this for me is part of it. It feels. It felt very weird initially because of my performance background in, in street dance. It felt very weird having done the work privately with no one around, putting it mm. in front of people and then not being able to enjoy it with them, like having to stand back mm. right, and feeling almost like that desperate pest when I was trying to talk to them, like, please give me like affirmations or money for this. You know, it was just like, yeah. it's like, but if they can see that I just want them to enjoy it with me or enjoy it, you know, it's that it's like, I feel like it, it it makes it a better experience for them. And it's just like when, like when I was dancing, the, the coolest thing was, was dancing with people. Like I find it very, very difficult to train by myself uh, with dancing. Um, so I'll do in terms of, um, so we have these uh, things called drills that you have them in like martial arts, right? So the idea is you just do a, um, a movement or an exercise repeatedly until it becomes muscle memory. Um, or you can do something called ciphering, which is to just freestyle to a song and just dance. So you can get, um, so you can practice putting those exercises that you've drilled um, into uh, your kind of sequences or movements ad hoc and kind of choose without thinking, right? Um, I could never do drills by myself because I just, it's so boring to me. So I would cipher for a little bit, but I wouldn't really cipher by myself. I'd do maybe two, three rounds of ciphering and then I'd be like, all right, cool, I'm done. But when I go with other people, I can go for six hours and I can still want to do more because it's that enjoyment of, I get to see what you get and you're doing, you get to see what I'm doing and we get to exchange and have a laugh and make jokes What in between dancing whilst we're dancing. And then other people that are watching can enjoy it. I can make jokes and I can draw them in and I can say, yo, you like if someone's walking past, do you want to try something? I'll show you some moves. You know, it's these things and it's just, just the whole experience is so enjoyable. And when I think about my experiences of dancing, I never think about the times when I was at home alone drilling as the times when I was, when I, that I enjoyed it the most. It was always this random cipher or training session that we did outside in King's Cross or South London, or it was the show that we did where 
uh, the music faulted or like the audience laughed at this part or we got to talk with them afterwards or the kids came up to us and they wanted to try some stuff or we were doing a set in public and someone else just joined in for a laugh but we encouraged them to join in and they enjoyed it and we did and it was just like those things those moments are always the best man like always but and it's the same thing with art man like I just the best times of art are when I've been able to talk with people, be around people while I'm making it, have fun, let people join in, draw on the work that I'm drawing, you know, like just, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's people, isn't it? I love it. Because I was going to say, I was going to say, that's interesting, because I feel like having that dance background first has given you a really interesting platform or a really interesting base for your art, because it's like, it's about interaction. It's about experience. It's about the physicality of and presence of time, and they, I feel like all of that is now translated into your art, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Because had you not had that previously, your art probably would be very different. Oh now. yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's really interesting actually. Because as I remember, I remember this what I said ages ago when we last spoke is that the idea of endurance, you know, the you know, being a painter and being a dancer both involve endurance. Mm. You know, you have to you have to train and you have to apply yeah. yourself. So it's interesting to think like that's an interesting kind of leap between the two. I don't know. It's interesting. I kind of, I'd be very close to, to obviously we would never know, but I'd be very close to know what your work would have been like had you not had your dance background. Probably comics I probably would have went into, I reckon. I had a big fascination with them. And uh, my old tutor at uni was a comic book artist and uh, everything that he did, I just thought wow. was, I mean, I hated the guy and he hated me as well. We were bad for each other, but in education, yeah, it was a bad relationship, but he taught me discernment and he was just, he was, his drawing was immaculate, man. I mean, he still is. He's, he's amazing. He worked for DC and Marvel, other comic book art, uh, companies as oh, well. Wow. He's, he's, he's just incredible. And it's, I've just, I love that kind of stuff. I love the thick outlines. I love the, 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 the gestures, the movement, the, colors the the, the, yeah. the yeah all of that stuff i love it i try and incorporate that stuff into my work now um yeah yeah i was gonna say you said gestures and movement like that's still incorporated into your work now that's really interesting yeah even with the outlines and stuff as well like those kind of like line weight changes all that stuff i love but i think now the, the like i said painting gives me something very specific the ability to stand up and move and be very physical with it like the the like it's just it's it, yeah it's it's very different now i think now they've got street dancing but yeah i can't imagine i can't imagine what it been. i don't think i would have been i don't think i would have learned as much as i did if i didn't do street dance yeah like street mm -hmm. dance has been like i've done a lot of different things in my life and street dance has been the thing that's enabled me to be able to learn the most like in, in any other field the skills wow. that are transferable is the skills that are transferable from it sorry are uh the best the best i've ever gained so storytelling is quite essential element yes. to your work so what is so important about creating art that has a strong element of storytelling? Uh, well, I think good art tells a story, I think, in any aspect. And I think storytelling is the thing that you use to bridge communication gaps, right? So like the, the, the lessons that we've learned, whether it's in the, the oldest book in the world, the Bible or whatever, right? It's like, it's all stories. It's all stories that, that give you uh, lessons. The reason, like these, when you look at any kind of... Um, fables across cultures the things that works even with nuances of language is that the the point of the story and the concept of the story gets communicated effectively to people and you can do that which is really cool even without language through art like art's amazing for that 
and specifically painting or drawing, they can, you can tell almost an entire story in one image, which is nuts to me that you can look at an image and it, you can, you know, that, that whole, that old adage of, uh, uh, picture paints a thousand words or whatever it is you know it's yeah, that course, yeah right yeah. it's true man like yeah. and it's like and it's not just that those like i used to think of like oh what i wonder what words they're talking about but it's like uh, it's like <laughs> it's like you got a whole story from that like imagine telling you got a thousand words to tell a story like the, the video the reels that i do on insta they're about two three hundred words so about like maybe three to four or to five times that right um you get to tell a whole story that's about maybe maybe three to five minutes worth of time you could tell a cool story if you've got three to five minutes of someone's time right and you could do that in a painting let's say you're going to look at a painting for three to five minutes you can tell a nice story you can get a real nice message message across and some people do that in maybe 10 seconds 20 seconds like banksy for example like look at the stories he tells or he told right mm -hmm. and and how poignant they were and you got maybe and you've got artists that do it in kind of less overt ways, right? That that they just, they connect with people from different cultures. So you've got people like, um, what was his name? Julian Opie. So he's one of the, one of the, the heads that came to our, our, um, our Mind and Consciousness exhibition, right? And uh, we didn't think he was going to come because he was exhibiting in, in South Korea at the time. This guy wow. was exhibiting his artwork in South Korea. Like, I don't know if he speaks Korean or not. I didn't ask him, but he didn't, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't, because you don't know what people know nowadays, but I don't think that he does, right? But it's mad to think that your artwork can be put in a completely different culture. Um, and if you're, if you kind of pay any kind of mind to that um, Sepia Wolf hypothesis, that the language you speak dictates how you might think or influences it, you know, that, that if you speak a different language or you have a different mother tongue, you might think completely differently. And if you do, you get this, uh, like you're going to perceive work in a completely different way, right? Like my, my partner's Arabic. And from the little bit that I've learned of it, it's like the whole language is very poetic, very descriptive, very God-based. And like trying to connect with people there, with my artwork, is like I have to think about what it is that they're going to consider. And if I look on social media, two of my biggest audiences are America and India two completely different cultures and so to connect with america yeah. and india with different pieces of work is really interesting it's like okay cool well, how what story can i tell you through my artwork that i find interesting that both you two different cultures that are different to mine are also going to find interesting as well you know the different ways of thinking yeah and i just think like you do that through storytelling man it's just it is it's the best man I think that actually the idea of culture and the idea of like how different cultures are going to perceive your work is actually very interesting as well. Because we all kind of assume, I mean, I, maybe I'm just being very naive, but we all kind of assume that our markets are going to be mainly in like, you know, kind of like the Western kind of in you know, like the Western kind of part of, of the world, you know, particularly like, you know, UK, yeah. Europe, generally, America, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but we don't actually think, oh, actually, there's a whole global markets in other places in the world you know, global markets that are probably going to be like bigger than the UK market or the American mm. market, for instance, you know, that we don't think that actually maybe your work. It's like when I see, I guess it's like when I see a lot of uh, Americana, for instance, like work that's a very like heavy in Americana because I love that kind of really nice nostalgic Americana vibe because I'm not mm. from there. To me, that's really interesting. But to Americans, it's boring because they're every day. 
it's like that. I guess it's kind of like that. Like when you see something that's not of your culture, you're possibly more interested because you have a chance to learn. You know, you seeing a picture of a painting of like a trolley dumped in the back of a Tesco, <laughs> probably like a, a fairly everyday occurrence. Yeah. You know, traffic cones in the middle of the street, or you know, yeah. whatever, whatever we see, like you know, seagulls flying around some discarded fish and chips. You know, it's an it's an everyday occurrence. So to you, you'd be like, yeah, that's cool. It's it's kind of like the banalities of England. It's cool, but to somebody who isn't from here, they'll look at that and be like, that's such an alien place. So maybe that's like an interesting way to look at it. You know, like you, the way your work is perceived by different cultures because it's so alien to them. Same way as if like you were to look at work from artists from a different country to you that it might be more intriguing because you're like what is this yeah I mean, we you see know? it all the time man you look at like and the thing is like there are some there are glimpses of it that happen in where things just hit the zeitgeist right like look at um sai with um a gangnam style right it just took over yeah. right yeah. and then you look at like korean yeah. cinema yeah. for example where parasite where just won all of those oscars and yeah. it's like or, or those accolades sorry maybe oscars i can't remember um and it's like okay cool but if you actually look into that those cultures imagine how much art you're not able to enjoy just because you you're not willing to go into those cultures or you haven't been exposed to those cultures yet through and they've got so many stories yeah. to tell like obviously it's a big thing that um japan export their 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 comic culture in and manga and anime really well so there's like a in street in hip and street dance yeah. it's like a really big thing for for um and even in black culture it's really a big thing to enjoy anime and manga um and it's just it's something that people enjoy quite a lot but it's like their storytelling um is in anime and manga is deep rooted in japanese culture and religious culture as well there are a lot of things that are that if you watch one anime you might not clock onto but if you watch multiple you realize oh okay cool that that phrase of a a big nine-tailed fox called QB is like uh, oh it's actually a thing that is is present in a lot of different storytelling oh maybe there's some significance in that to japanese culture maybe uh, and they rank these gods with numbers. Maybe numbers hold a big or a different thing in that culture. And you can kind of look into it and realize, oh, actually, they represent X, Y things or whatever. And then you realize, oh, OK, cool. So when I go to these cultures and that makes links to different things. And whenever they when I talk to someone from that culture, they reference this and that's what they mean. And, and I can connect with people by understanding and referencing these things or I can enjoy different stories by, by this, you know, and and like there's. I feel like there are so many opportunities if you can just take a little bit of time to consider that you can actually create opportunities for yourself. Like, like I said, my partner's uh, Arabic. So what I'm getting her to do right now is to translate all of the videos that I made into Arabic for me. And then we can set up a new wow. channel where it's just pinged out to Arabs, right? So like people that can speak yeah. and live a whole different way of, 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 of life, um, speak a different language, live a different way, uh, live a different lifestyle, sorry. And, they get to enjoy something and I get to connect with them with my stories. So it's not just about obviously you consuming yeah. it, but it's about you giving stuff as well. So I can get to give to them. And it's just about going out of my way a little bit and saying, cool, I want to do this and connect with them in this way. Right. And okay. uh, yeah, I think, I think, I just think there's loads of power in that, man. It's also broadening your horizons oh, yeah. as well. I think that's also, like, that's also the thing. And that's what I like. Actually, That's a really clever idea of like seeking out a new culture, seeking out, new ways of looking yeah. at things not just being like this is what i'm going to do this works this is cool it's like oh, actually let's branch out because you don't know what you're going to learn as you said earlier like you like learning things you don't know what you're going to learn that's really clever actually like, and that's very Thank clever you. so mark making and the use yes. of using different materials 
So yeah. how important is it for you to constantly be exploring new ways of working? And are there any kind of materials that you would like to use that you don't already currently use? How important is it? Constantly, yeah, it's, it's super important just because I get bored of using the same thing over and over again, you know, even on the same image. Like, it's just like, I, like I, what I like to do is I like to start painting. Like, I'll just put some big marks on there and then I'll kind of like roughly mark, like, kind of do like a color sketch of the thing that I want to paint. So, like, if it's a person or gorilla or shark or whatever, I'll just kind of mark it out. And then I just get all my materials out. So, like, my, my paint pens, like my Posca pens, spray paints, crayons like coloring pencils oil sticks whatever just have them out and then just put music on and just see what happens uh and it's just it's yeah just like i would say it's just like freestyling with like same like with freestyling with dance or just freestyle yeah. with, with art and it's um it's just, I don't, it's just that's just what's, what's fun for me i don't I, like, I don't really know i haven't really considered it too much i just know that that's fun and that i can get good things out of it so I just lean into it. See, that's really cool, though, just like the parallels between dance and art mm. and the way in which you have used them both to create, but also create in a way that you enjoy. Because I think that's the thing. I think a lot of, like, the environment itself really dictates the work and the fact that you enjoy creating the work in an environment that's busy, an environment that is um, loud and kind of uh, vibrant, that's how to put it. That's cool because mm. it shows in the work because the work isn't just playing. It isn't, I'm going to say boring, but it isn't. Because um, the work is visually chaotic sometimes, I think. You know? Yeah. And I think it's an indication of the controlled chaos it was created in as well, mm. which I think is cool. Like it's reflective of the environment in which it was created. You know? It's... Yeah. And the mood, I think, and the, even the mentality, you know, like I think if we think of like, um, the separation of like mood and mentality kind of like weather and climate i think like um day to day my mood's going to change but i think the climate that i'm in is somewhere where i'm i'm really comfortable with my art i have um freedom of skill and decision making within art because because i understand the skills that i have and the, and how to use the tools that I, i'm using and i think i've spent I spent so many years kind of just sat at a desk, just practicing reading books um, and practicing drawing techniques with pencil, pens, charcoal, whatever, that now I get to stand up and have a like, not just a reason to move, but I have uh, some kind of skill set to be able to make moving fun and enjoyable for not just me, but anyone else who's in the room as well. It's like, uh, I don't feel shy about it. So it's like, it's this thing where I kind of like, I've never had like, and, and color as well. Like I never played with color before I started painting. Um, and uh, no, that might be a lie actually. Shortly before I started painting, I started playing with color. And when I did, it opened up a whole new world, man. Like it was, it was, yeah, vibrant. Like you said, it just, it just, it changed everything. And I think when I started getting mentally healthier, um at the tail end of my 20s and early 30s it um yeah enabled me to uh to just have a lot of freedom and fun with um using different materials and and understanding what works so like obviously when you're drawing and you're drawing mark making and form you can make certain decisions but when you understand how to use clear language to describe and instruct about color and, and the relationship between colors. And then you can understand how color can create 
and values can create form and shapes as well and then how to use different mediums to affect those things um yeah it's freedom man so what is your favorite color to use uh i really like i like blue and pink at the moment yeah blue and pink i love using those like i have all green and pink or blue and pink some some basically some kind of combination of of uh if pink is the warm some kind of combination of pink with a, a cool color as well like i just love it man are there any colors that you don't use or that you would like to use more of um no not the moment i kind of just like lean into whatever i'm feeling like i went through this big using loads of black phase you know and like my paintings like and then i kind of came out of it and started i went for a little tan period and using loads of browns or whatever now i'm in this little pink phase i think the pinks persisted like but like hot barbie pink you know like that kind of like i love that just like not too much of it but yeah i love that in the work but no i just kind of use whatever feels good at the time so what i think would be really cool for you Go on. It's like doing like an artist residency, but like a public artist residency. What do you mean? I think so. Like, I'm sure we discussed this a while ago. The idea of like you live painting. Mm, yes. And then getting the public involved. Something like that would be perfect for you because your work really does drive off the energy of the people around you, what you're painting and what you're creating work. And I feel like it would just be like, like how cool would it be if you just had like just some kind of like dance rave? And literally, it was just Ukraine work, but like you're responding to their people within the room, you know. That'd be level. I would love that, man. Like just like, no. j- just like, um, what's it called? Granary Square or like in King's Cross, just setting up there for like six hours and just having a little party. Yeah, no, that on. would be so good. I think that'd be so cool. I feel I like because you'd that. be well within your element because it's like it'd be the environment which is going to be busy and it'll be fun and it'll be loud and it'll be vibrant and like, I feel like that would be a really also a really cool way to to get people's attention and also to, you know, get people involved. You yeah, know, I would love that. I don't know. I think maybe that's something you should think about doing in the future. I think, feel like that would work out really well for you. Yeah, I think, so I have this big idea of how to uh, create like a solo show mm. um, and it involves that, but mm. there's, it involves loads of other things. But I think you're right. Like, I think what would be really cool is to build up to it by doing some of these separate things separately. Yeah. Um, and doing them kind of over a period of time to really explore and learn how they work and have fun with them and, and kind of and be present with those individual things. Yeah. So, I got, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, I agree. That'd be cool. All right. I'll do that. Have you ever heard of, I'm sure you probably have, but the Camden, I think it's a Camden Open Air Gallery, I think. C-O-E-G, I might be getting that from. I think someone um, at the show told me about it. Because I feel like that would be the ideal place for your work to do something like that. I just feel like it would be. I don't think it's very big, though, but... Because I remember when I went there last time, I was there, I was in London, I was in Camden, which was quite a while ago, actually. Um, it wasn't that big, and I was surprised by the size of it. But I feel like the kind of that kind of gallery would be the kind of gallery that would be good for you to start off, because it's quite a fairly new gallery, and it has, like, contemporary work. Wait, have I seen it? I think, yeah, I have. I think I went in there. I think you I was walking past my missus, yeah, and I just, I think I just, I saw it, and I just mooched in. Hmm. I feel like that is the kind of space I imagine they would be absolutely receptive. Yeah, I have. Yeah, well, I think I went in there and actually took. I did. Yeah, and the one <laughs> at the front, she gave me a she gave me a thing because they said like if like, if you want to show, just let like cause we got talking. I told them I did art. There you go. Yeah, see. They, yeah, that's a good point. All right, cool. I kind of feel like their vibe would suit you so much. Yeah, just it it just to me, it just seems it just seems to me it would it be like to me like that would be like a good pairing. That would be a vibe, actually. Yeah, you're. That's cool. I like that. 
Yeah. All right. Well, if cool. it happens, invite me because I'll be over. I'll be doing. I'll be taking the day off work to come down to London. Yeah, that'd be sick. That'd be cool. I'd be like, absolutely. I'd be like, how oh, yeah, I'm coming down here. Absolutely. I'm not going to be missing oh, that'd that. That'd be so cool, man. Yeah, I'd love to. The Camden Gallery. I feel like that would be a perfect vibe for you. I feel like it would be. Such I a good agree. Fit. And, they, and they seem like they're built for that because they're like very kind of. I don't know if you've seen. I don't know if you saw. They had a really cool. It was like a show, and it had like street art and shutters. And I remember seeing it and I was like, this is so interesting. It's so different from what I've seen. And also their vibe is very just like different from the norm. It's not just necessarily, you know, white walls images. It is that sometimes, but sometimes it's not. And I'm like, that this well, so the thing that and something that I've discussed with Constance specifically when I when I interviewed her previously is like what I would personally love to see with galleries is for them to not have shows but have experiences. I feel yes. like I feel like for me. Going into a, a gallery space with and white walls and having images is, is cool, but you could do so much more. I feel like Constance's work, as when I was talking to her about her work, I said, what you should do is you should have a space in which you have a shallow pool so that people are walking through the water to see your work. You know, have like a smoke machine somewhere, you know, have, you know, I don't know, something that's going to create an atmosphere and, and an environment. You know, it's like when people go to like, um, I don't we have anything here in the UK, but like in America, you have like these motels that are like experienced motels and like every room is like a different theme or whatever. It's mm. like, have that, but as a gallery show, you know, that would be cool. Like imagine, and the thing is with concerts, what you could do so much like that, man. Like, yeah, yeah. like imagine there was a shallow pool with, um, we have like, uh, obviously you could take pictures of things underwater, but it's like, you have to take your socks and shoes off and you take yeah. pictures of people's feet as they're walking through, for example. Yeah. And then she can make sketches of them like while she's there or what, you know, it's like, there's so much you could do. Yeah, there is so much you could do. Or like there's another artist, um, Nazir Young, who I interviewed not that long ago, actually. And I said to him, like, we we're talking about the same thing. He's talking about his work as experiences. And it's like you could paint on because his work is about uh, the urban environment. I was like, you can paint on bricks and then build a wall because it's like that's what your work's about. It's like, how can you translate your work into something tangible that the people can then also relate to? You know? Because also your work is very performance-based. So you could have performances. You know, there are like ways in which you can kind of have even have your work kind of i don't know like there, there's like there's the cool thing about art is that as you've said previously like it's kind of it's a point of entry but it's also a point of entry for so many other different things as well it's yeah. not just other art or like painting itself and i feel like experiences in art i feel like that's what we need to see more of personally they've always said to a lot of my photography friends imagine if somebody imagine if you had five photographers and you had a, a house with five rooms and in each room you set up to be a replica of one of the photographs like that would be interesting. So rather than have a look at the photograph, you walk around in the photograph. That would be cool. That's that reminds me of a game. Ah, oh, what's the game? Uh, game where you walk through art. There's a game, painting narrative game. Oh no, is, is it that? I don't know. There's basically a game, kind of what you talked about, where it's like basically it's kind of like sort of like Minecraft, but like but not. But it's like you basically you walk around in this world and you get like a picture. You put the picture in front of you, and then the picture turns 3D and you can just walk through it and you basically wow. create levels in the game. And it's just it's so cool, man. Like I can never remember the bloody name of it. But if I remember, I'll ping it over to you, man. But it's Absolutely. just it's, it's basically what you talked about, just virtually. It's it's so cool. So I remember I read a book. This is a random. Like I read a book ages ago. It's so actually a crime thriller because that's what I read all the time. Um, and it was based on 
a movie set. And then like in it, like the protagonist had to go, like had to find somebody within like this, you know, huge, massive movie set. And I was like, how interesting would that be if you had that in real life? Because you open a door and it goes from being, you know, the outside world to like a mirrored hallway. And then you open another mm. door and then it's just like rain and grass and like, you know, fake sky or whatever. Like how trippy would that be? Like imagine like, going into a gallery space and having that and having that experience. And there's like a certain kind of motel in America. I'll send it over to you at some point that does something similar to that. But I know this idea of it's like, you know, kind of like the Van Gogh ex- immersive experience. It's like that, but make it contemporary and relatable, not just somebody who's already dead and gone and is recognized. What about contemporary artists? How can you do that with your work? You know? Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. There's just something so interesting about like experiences, not just images. I know no, you're right, man. You're really right. That's just my two cents. So, I'm in agreement, man. Like I said, like yeah, like I said earlier, man. That it's just having paintings on a wall in a room. Cool, if you're into it. If you're not, yeah, it's not an experience that you want to share with people, man. That's it, and especially nowadays, unfortunately, and unfortunately, but nowadays with social media being so prevalent, people want to share stuff. You know, if you create yes. an experience, people will will share that. You know, it's like there's a, actually, yeah, we're going to go on a tangent of the worst, but there's something <laughs> happening in London that's like a, it's like a interesting like neon street art 3D environment thing that looked really, really cool. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's seen just it. like, yeah, yeah. have you? Have you seen it? Well, you I, I didn't go, but my my, oh, my students went to it. it, yeah. I was about to say, it was, I saw it easy and I was like, this looks really interesting, but stuff like that, like you look and you're like, oh, it stands out. You, you remember it. You might not have gone, but you remember it. Yeah. That's, it's like, it's about creating an imprint in somebody's mind not just actually creating something beautiful for them to see yeah it's like how do you leave a legacy with your work not just have an immediate reaction you know i think that's what it's about in my opinion um yes anyway anyways so are there any downsides of creating your work like do you ever feel boxed in by the type of work you create yeah 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 absolutely i mean you get pigeonholed in everything don't you i mean like i said earlier about like the the idea of creating motifs i'm feeling like you need to to make it in the contemporary art world you need to make one type of work that people like and then just repeat that it's like it's, it's just it's for me it's it's so weird because when i when i see that happening i think like what are we doing here like are we artists like like isn't the point here to be able to explore and grow like why do we do that in with with every kind of art industry with um in dancing, it's really, it's really, uh, you want to see people do them, um, or not, sorry, you want to see people have certain moves that they do and they repeat them all the time, right? But, um, but what's really exciting is when people make moves up on the spot that you've never seen before. One of the dancers that I painted, a guy called Breaks, he does that. It hits, he'll give you an experience where if you weren't in the room, you missed out. It's, yeah. it's really crazy. Um, but we see it all the time, and you see in acting, actors get pigeonholed and or typecasted. We, call it obviously um musicians they'll just they'll stick to one genre their entire life or whatever you know and they won't kind of branch out and try different things um but it's cool when people go through these little exploratory journeys man and they just delve into different things they meet new audiences they try different stuff i think as an artist man i gotta just like if if, like i said if you've got a linear direction of development then then grow in that way right but i don't think we i don't think that's the route to do it and so i have this idea that in any given field or area, you have people that are are more adept or more 
prone to doing that thing. So like you would call them the savants in that, that field, right? Hmm. And I think that they're so far and few in between in terms of the numbers overall that to have that field sustainable, you need a bunch of people that aren't those savants, right? So you need kind of the average person to go in and do well at that thing. But for the average person to go in and do well, they need some kind of um, structured development to do it, right? Which is why we have maybe academia or we have some kind of um, blueprint like I was talking earlier for, to allow people to do it, right? Um, but because those people aren't uh, savants in those fields, they if they veer from that blueprint, they don't do well. And then what I believe happens is that the savants, when they come along, because there isn't much room for them to grow or because there's maybe there's so much um, importance or precedence set around going through that set system that the savants actually get lost in that system and they get told to learn like everyone else and there, there isn't room for them to grow. I guess it's like they become diluted because obviously it's like... Yes. People just want to do what they know is going to work as opposed to like break the mold and try something new and yes. be different and exciting. Because I think, you know, when you think about just like there's, there's always like within like maybe say every i don't know two to three generations there's always like a handful of people that have set the trend for the next generation yeah. but it didn't happen all the time you know i guess it's like that yeah yeah to, but to do that you have to really break apart and just think what is it that i want to do man like, like I, think, I don't yeah yeah trying to not conform whilst also maintaining some kind of semblance of conformity so that you still make money and or you, your work sells or and or it's commercial, I think that's quite hard. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard, especially if you want to conform or, or if you want to make money doing that thing, right? So there's yeah. like a, a big thing we have in street dance and which kind of applies across the board is, um, are you doing the style? Are you doing that thing? So you might be using the name, but you might not actually be doing that thing, right? So some people might be doing popping or breaking. Some people might be uh singing in r&b or or maybe some they might be doing country or whatever uh some artists might be doing a certain style of art but they're not doing that thing you're saying you're doing that thing but you're not actually doing that thing um yeah there's a lot of a lot of moving parts but i don't know i just think that if um if you really want to if you really want to grow, if you really want to stand out, if you really want to do something, man, you just got you just got to do what you're interested in. Mm. Sensibly, obviously, if you want to make money off it, make a living off of it, and sustainably, but sometimes you just got to make take big risks and just see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But then I think I feel like the only problem with that is that society has a tendency to copy what's trending or what's new or what's interesting. So it's Why like is as soon problem? as because I feel like it comes back to the person being lost in in the kind of the uh, the abundance of the similar. So it's like if you do something different, let's just say you create all these really interesting experiences, art experiences rather than exhibitions. Mm. Somewhere along the line, someone's going to copy that and monetize that, and it will dilute what you're doing, and you won't have the ability to pass it forward in the way that it could affect people in a more positive way. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, but I just I don't buy into it, man. Like we again, are we, okay. I use street dancers as a reference a lot because this is what happens. But have you have you heard of the street dance group Diversity? Yes, of course. Cool, right? Cool. So most people in the country have. Yeah. Um, have you heard of the crew Flawless? Yes. Yes, cool. You know they yeah. were on the same show as Diversity, right? Yeah. Um, Flawless. One of the guys in Flawless is in the paintings. Breaks. Okay. Right. 
Um, and he's um, so flawless and diversity in the street dance world, away from public community. Street dance world, they um, they have very different reputations. Diversity is the crowd pleasing, gimmicky, not real dancers. Right, mm. flawless are the guys that battle. They they do real street dance, and they're really good at choreo too. Right, they're the and when they were on um, Britain's Got Talent, there was this battle between them. Most of the street dance community were rooting for flawless. Most of the British public were rooting for diversity. Mm. When diversity won, flawless kind of got, they got their careers, but in terms of the notoriety, the disparity between the two grew rapidly, right? And where Ashley Banjo is like a household name now, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people were really angry at diversity kind of doing that because they were like, oh, people aren't seeing the right stuff. And I, and I was always saying to people, look, like, I think the problem here is how you're looking at it. People voted for what it is that they enjoyed and wanted to see. Naturally, not everyone's going to be a purist or be into the things that we're into. There is a term of like kind of the artist artist for a reason, right? Mm. That the people who are into that thing are going to like that thing. And then the rest gets diluted, right? Um, what I was saying was that there is an opportunity for the people that like diversity, that talk to real dancers and say, oh, have you seen diversity? Instead of getting annoyed by it, say, yeah, they're really cool. Do you like them? What do you like about them? Maybe have a look at these guys too. If you like them, I think you're going to like these guys. And there's an opportunity to, to use diversity or use people like that as an introduction. So let's say like uh, this thing with facts and fine liners. I've been saying to the people around me, like no one that I know of bar one girl on TikTok is doing this at all, which is using jump cuts of real-time drawing um, and storytelling and narration to tell you about the things that they're drawing. There's only one other person I've seen on social media doing it. Naturally, when people see it take off and when people see it, they're going to want to copy it, of course. Yeah. To, to put all those things together, it requires a certain amount of skills to be able to write, to be able to research effectively, to be able to narrate confidently, to be able to draw uh, well as well. All of those things together and to be able to edit videos and shoot as well. It takes a certain, um, those are all different skill sets that, that to have in combination are quite difficult, right? So it's not going to be everyone that wants to copy it is going to be able to. So there are going to be some diluted versions of it naturally, like you said. And with, the, with AI coming along, it's going to make it easier for people to be able to do yeah. those things, obviously. Um, however, I don't think it's zero sum. I don't think that the more they create, the less it takes away from me. I think that um, naturally there are going to be differences and there are going to be people that are going to enjoy those diluted versions that I'm not going to make, that they enjoy more than what I make because it's easier to consume maybe, let's say, for example. Um, but I think those are opportunities for people to, when they see my stuff, when someone comes along and says, oh yeah, this was copied from maybe the girl on TikTok, the, um, or maybe Lee, Facts and Fine Liners or whatever, um, or you should check out his it's going to be a case of, yeah, welcome. If you like my stuff, you like it. And this is kind of maybe the uh, the original, if you want to use it in that way, right, of where it came from. And it gives people an opportunity to learn into it. But it doesn't mean that that um, I, at least I don't buy into the idea that it dilutes me, right? Same The same way I wouldn't say that, let's say Dwayne Johnson, who does Fast and Furious films, whatever. I think as an actor, I wouldn't say that he's great. Hmm. And, I, and I say that the type of roles that he plays are very much the same and that we're always when the when the film starts we're always waiting for them to explain why this average joe is so massive right like he's got like he's an ex-marine or he's a body or something like this and so okay cool so now we can enjoy the film now that we understand why this two fairy is huge or whatever right so we can do these things but i can enjoy a, a i can enjoy a jumanji remake or i can enjoy a fast and furious 10 or whatever and it doesn't take away from watching 
an A24 film, for example, right? Or it doesn't take away from watching Korean cinema for me or, or like an old boy or something like this. Um, it doesn't dilute those films for me. It doesn't dilute cinema. MCU, obviously, Martin Scorsese came out and said it like it's like a theme park ride for people who want to watch films and it's kind of like ruining cinema, right? It's like, I don't think so. I think there's a space for that. I think like people like my mum, she loves Bad Boys 4 or whatever they're on. She loves like watching like trash like ant-man or whatever like kind of like yeah. mid mid mcu films um but she also likes the rock you know um they're not the actor but the old film with uh sean connery or whatever nicholas cage like she likes these old films i like like obscure films maybe like um the fan or passenger 57 or you know these kind of these kind of films like mm-hmm. these old school films or whatever whereas like you can still enjoy different areas of it and it's never a zero sum so i think uh, yeah i think that's kind of my my stance on it that so, I think so, there's there's room for everyone. See, so what I really like about you is that there are things I've said and you're like, well, actually, no, I think differently. And I appreciate that so much. That the fact that you have your own opinions and you're, you're, you're speaking them, I really appreciate that so much. It's absolutely lovely. Because I do agree oh, with you there, actually. There is, there is a place for everybody. And I think that's actually a really valid thing to think about, especially when it comes to art, when it seems like it's very oversaturated. And it seems like mm-hmm. it's all been done before. And it yeah. seems like there is no point because you know your work is never going to be as good as somebody else's or you know as somebody else's you know somebody else younger than you has been doing it for 20 years longer and they're more successful you know it's all that all this kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think you're right like there is always a place for everybody it's the thing is just about finding what you're happy doing and yes. being kind of content with the way you're doing it yeah you know so what has creating art taught you about yourself Whoa, what a question. What's what's creating art taught me about myself? I don't know, actually. I haven't ever considered that. Uh, Possibly, actually, if I think about it now, um, probably the thing I mentioned earlier about um, recognizing patterns in myself. Uh, Hmm. So recognizing the things that have remained the same through periods of change. So my art has changed quite a lot since I was uh, 14, when I first started properly learning. Um, Let's say 16, 17, when I went to uh, college and studied it. so I'd say, taught me about myself, that I'm malleable. Yeah, I would say that, that there's a lot of, if you want to use the term plasticity to me, you know, like there's the, like, I can move to a different area or way of doing something and I can adapt and I can adapt really well. Um, it's taught me that I learn quickly. I learn very quickly. So it, it doesn't take me long to, to grasp something within art. Um, digital analog different techniques you know like it's it's not complicated i don't find it complicated to 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 jump between um mediums or tools um and i think yeah that i have wide tastes i like a lot of things and i think that's okay you know and that's really cool i think it's such a it's just such an interesting question to ask people because i feel like you don't ask yourself that question yeah yeah i don't yeah you're right i, I actually can't remember where that question came from I can't remember why I put it on this list, but it came from somewhere. And I was like, that's a good one. staying on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so what impact do you hope that your art uh, has? Do I hope it has? Mm. Um, I hope people have fun and they learn something. Yeah. I mean, I think people absolutely would be doing that because the way you present it, as we've earlier, like presenting, like the way you present the work is to be engaging it is to be yeah. fun it is to learn it's educational it's it's serious but also considering the audience themselves not just yeah. the artists that you as the artist 
you're con you've considered your audience before you put the the images out there, which I think is very obvious and, and very clever, actually, of you. Thank you. I man. think. I think it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very. I tell you what. I like. I'm very uh, serious about learning, and I think one of the things that I've realized is the best way to learn is to play. Like you can. So I'm very serious about playing. I like. I like that. I like having fun. Like when uh, whenever I'm teaching, uh, well, I've been teaching at the college in the last year. Like the best classes I've had, and the best classes they've had as well, is where we do workshops. Mm. So it was yeah. like because it's you know it's yeah it's just like there's a lot of them when they just do artist research and it's super boring, man. And uh, and they don't have a good time doing it too. Like it, in the way that they're asked to do it is super boring. Oh yeah, yeah. Think, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, because yeah. you can make it fun. For sure, for sure, you can make it like way fun. And like the times that we do, where it's like where it's very interactive, it's very playful. Yeah. They learn loads, and it's like, like the biggest. I got a lot of different compliments for the end of the year from the students. The best compliment I had from the students, um, from a few of them, was that I made them see art differently. Oh, and that's perfect. Yeah, that's that's like. I never thought about that as a, a goal to to like an end goal to for art, but it makes sense. Like that that's what you would want, right? But it's um yeah, that was the best. So like that, pretty much. Yeah, you are the definitely the kind of person I imagine workshops would be really good for you to do. And also if you've already got that experience within a school system, I feel like if you're interested in, in helping the general public, and kind of like teaching the general public, I feel like that would absolutely be a really good crossover for you also. I think it would work out really well. Um, but I think it depends. Like, it depends on what you can. I feel like you could probably open a school at this point yourself. To be very honest, <laughs> um, and, I've, I was, and I actually honestly about saying, I honestly feel like that wouldn't be like an out of reach goal. I actually think that would be actually quite not easy for you to achieve because obviously there's a lot of logistics. But I feel like that would actually be like like five, ten years, an actually achievable goal for you. I feel like you have you have the knowledge, you have the foundation, and you have the skill, and you have the personality. You have kind of a bit of everything. Maybe you just don't have the funding. But I feel like then that can always be sourced through your work, you know, and or through other investors. So it's like, I feel like you kind of yeah. have the right kind of skill set for something like that, in my opinion, or at least creating like a course for a school or a college or a university. I think that would be interesting to see you do. I feel like you have that knowledge. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's like, that's yeah. part of the, part of the big goal is to yeah. reform art education. Like whether that's through like, yeah. I can absolutely imagine seeing you do that 100%. Yeah. I feel like the whole kind of root of considering art education and just being kind of like an advocate for it like definitely definitely you're calling like for sure like definitely you're calling easily i love it man as well yeah. as creating great art as well so like even better because like, i think a lot of the time people who are great at like creating courses or whatever aren't actually artists but like the people who do create courses course people who do create courses don't actually create art and it's like there's a huge kind of disparity between the two like maybe if we had artists because what i've said to somebody a while ago i was like why why would we not just get, you know, 20 artists who have been in education and say to them, what do you wish you'd learn that you didn't learn and then make that into a course? Why would you not do that? Wouldn't that be That's the easiest really way? That's a really cool to, idea. Wouldn't that just be an easy way to make a really good course that people would actually want to go and actually pay money for? Yeah, man. Or at least be part of? Like, why, why has nobody done that? That seems like a very obvious thing to do. Right. It's, it's, and it's like like work experience and having a uh, practicing artists teach like there's some there's oh, something yeah. so valuable in that but like yeah. like a big obviously because like obviously i'm working as an artist right now and like one, one of the biggest things was um 
like the other teachers, they all do art and they say mostly for commissions. Um, one of the other teachers, she was a um, textiles and fashion for TV and film. Um, so that was really cool for the kids. Um, and for me as well, to be fair, I was just fucking brain. Yeah. Um, but you notice the difference in the type of responses that we would give from the teachers that were practicing to the teachers that weren't. And it was, I think you need both, but mm. to have this system where you're, it feels like a grift basically to trying to encourage people to go to college, uni, do masters, uh, get a BA, get a masters, right? So that they can, and then do a teaching qualification so that they can teach those things and focusing more on the qualifications than the, the real world experience and portfolio and the, the, uh, the ability to be able to manage a class and inspire the students to go and create work. Mm. It just feels like this really circular grift where you're encouraging people to be, to continue into this system rather than to tell them or show them the different types of possibilities that you, they can yeah. uh, do out in the real world. Like in December, I remember when um, ChatGPT first came out, and for like two weeks at home, I didn't obviously I didn't realize the, what the hype was straight away. Luckily, I found it like two days after it came out. I think I was just scrolling on on Insta and saw it. I was like, oh, that, that looks cool. So I started playing with it for two weeks. My eyes were burning because I couldn't sleep. I was just I was just, I was burning this program. And then in January, after the Christmas break, I came back. I told all my classes, I was like, yo, you need to go on there. It's like this is going to change everything. I was like, for your art, for your researching, for your evaluations, for your writing, to be able to pressure test your own arguments, to be able to develop your thinking. Um, I said, like, this is like the start, man. Like you, and uh, there are things like Dali, Midjourney. Now, obviously, Adobe have adopted it into their own thing with generative AI. It's like you have to, like, you have to be able to understand how to use this stuff to better yourself creatively, and to understand that the market is going to demand these things. And it was. It was disappointing to see that, like, not just the kids weren't that interested, but that the colleges, uh, the institution, not that, not that they didn't implement it straight away, because it's like, yeah, we've got to finish their education this year, I get it, but that they were, institutions were fighting against uh, kids using it, rather than encouraging them. And it was just like, yeah, I don't know, there was like, I just feel like a bit of a tangent, but there are there so many opportunities to really teach these kids how to develop themselves creatively and it feels like we're not really doing that at the moment in in college or in education in our education in some aspects i don't know about other schools i'm sure there are schools that are doing it great but yeah especially because art is a practical subject yeah you know yeah. it's not it's not there in a classroom it's real world actual life going out and doing things and creating work you can't just expect you can't sit people in a room and be like oh you're an artist now you've got a qualification it's like you're an artist for your entire life it's not just a period of time absolutely what a like, brilliant way to put it yeah man you know like as i, as I always say to people like art, like art is a lifetime career like it's whether you make money off it or not it's still a lifetime career like you're going to be learning for the rest of your life and evolving and changing and doing stuff and figuring yourself out and figuring your work out for your entire life it's not just once you have your degree once you're yeah. here for like three years and i feel like encouraging particularly kids especially because we need i personally feel like we need more positive reinforcement of creative endeavors in schools and the educational system because we really don't have that with all the funding being cut and whatever and all that kind of fun stuff um fun stuff in air quotes because um, <laughs> getting funding cut is not fun but it's like we need more positive reinforcement for being creative just general in life because otherwise yeah. we'll end up becoming part of a society that is going to rely on ai art or ai generated stuff for entertainment 
and then where is the human element in that so you know yeah really man yeah there's a yeah there's a lot to consider about it like and yeah and if like if you don't have that encouragement man like, and the thing is even in art courses that even now kids will still ask in 2023 oh what can i do with art i can't make money from it like they still got the, some of them saying their parents think that they can't make money on it yeah, I'm like, oh, like of course you do it by yourself now there are people there are teenagers like 14 year olds who in their bios on instagram are getting like brand deals who are getting commissions who are doing mm -hmm. these things by themselves they're in school not even art school right now it's like you yeah. could, there are so many opportunities that you can have for yourself man there are there are art kids that are being propped up in art competitions you get like there was that 14 year old kid who animated um uh into the spideyverse and they yeah. they brought him on board to help animate across the spideyverse yeah. Uh, and it was like, like as insane. a child, like that's that's, yeah. that's crazy to me, man. It's like, and and if you yeah. look anywhere you look, man, there's like marketing, film, TV, advertising, whatever, man. There's 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 artwork everywhere, man. There's there's so much space and, and opportunity for people, man. That it's just, yeah, I agree. So I have a question for you from the last artist I interviewed, mm -hmm. uh, an absolute winner for artist called Phelan Harris, mm -hmm. and her question for you is. How do you maintain a healthy artistic practice? Wow, there are so many moving parts in that. I would have no idea how to explain that. Wow. How to maintain a healthy artistic practice. All right, a big one is don't ask people for advice on what you should do. It's a big one. Definitely, definitely just ignore what people say and trust yourself because then they're not, they're not looking at your work from, through your perspective and what you like and what you want to do. And a lot of the time when an artist, like if you're really, really into art and you're trying to do it as a career, for example, as a healthy practice, you're looking at it as if your life depends on making this thing, on your happiness depends on this thing. And no one else is looking at your work with that kind of importance. So they're going to give you uh, this this, I don't know, this half considered thing on what they think you should do, or what they would do in your situation. They're never in your situation. And then you'll end up making your work for them. So I think that pro that's probably a big one. Just make what you want to make and, and just make decisions based on what you feel is good. Um, I think trust your intuitions. Intuitions are normally based on kind of gathered information that you can kind of make educated guesses with. Um, healthy artistic practice, know when to stop and walk away. That's a big one. It's a really big discipline, knowing when to stop and walk away, identifying when your your bad habits or patterns or behaviors are coming into play, and then knowing when to push through that and knowing when to cut that off and just be like, oh, I need to, I need to move away from this. Um, and be willing to change direction. Hmm. Hmm. And that's a very good one, actually. Yeah. That's a very good one. I feel like, yeah, you can easily get stuck doing the same thing because you just that's all you know or you're comfortable. Yeah, or that it, or that it pays the bills. Um, yeah, whereas then you can just be like, well, actually, let's try something different. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, that'd so, be my answer. So, so, do you have a question for the next artist I interview? You know what? I hope I wrote this down because I remember, <laughs> I remember reading this. I remember reading a question from the other artist. I didn't read what the question was. I remember thinking like, oh, what if you ask me? Uh. Yeah, I did write it down. I was never Perfect. thinking like, what, what if you ask me if I? You do realize it's, it's the only thing highlighted in the whole entire list. Is it? Yeah, it's the reason for it being highlighted because the only question that I have to make sure I ask every artist. That's the only question. If there's ever a question that I ask people, <laughs> ask me the question because it needs to be for the next person. 
So yeah, do you have a question? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, what experience do you want the people who view your art to have? Perfect. What experience do you want to view? Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, we have like five more questions. So, which is more important, the skill of the artist or the personality of the artist? I don't think you can compare them like that. Okay. Yeah. I think I think they're both needed. Okay. Like I, I think if you have one without the other, I think you have a piece of artwork that you struggle to connect with. Okay. So I think if you have the skill without the personality, you get photorealism. And like you said, it's impressive, but you can't connect with it. And I think if you have the personality without the skill, I think you get conceptual art, which I think it it's there to provoke thought, but it doesn't, it misses the mark because it doesn't use the skills appropriately to be able to communicate with the audience. That's a very good answer. I like that answer. That's really Thanks. interesting, actually. No, that's really interesting. I also love the fact that, no, that's really cool. I like that, actually. Yeah, the example's actually really awesome. I feel that's kind of cool. And also, I feel like, <laughs> and also the, the funny thing is that you were like, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> photorealism. That's just funny. Oh, that's photorealism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the funny thing is, though, like, when I talk about photorealism with a lot of artists, a lot of people are just like, yeah, it's nice. And that's it. And I'm like, I need to, what I need to do at some point, I need to actually interview a photorealist artist and just say to them yeah, why. There are, there are a few people that I know who are on my list of people that I love to interview, but I'm also like, it's like abstract artists. It's like, I don't interview a lot of abstract artists because I don't know what to say because I don't know how to talk about abstract art abstract mm -hmm. art, because it's just so, it's so vague. And I'm always a bit like, it's like Anna, I'm going to interview her. Her work's abstract. And I'm like, I hope she likes these questions because... I don't really think that I'm going to be talking about anything in particular that she wants to talk about because I don't know what to say about her work. Um, and, well, I think you're going to have a lot of luck with Anna because she's really like us. She's okay. like she's really comfortable talking. Okay, that's perfect. And she understands her work completely, so she can. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, she can. Yeah. She she'll do a if you want her to. She can do a really comprehensive breakdown of oh, why she makes the decision she does with oh, the. Absolutely, the that's exactly what we want. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really, she's really cool, man. So can anybody be an artist? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know if anyone could be a good one. Well, what yeah. makes a good artist then? I don't know. I think it's subjective. <laughs> They're like a proper Londoner when you said that as well. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Proper Londoner. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, fair enough. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So what does it, in your opinion, what mm. does it mean to be a successful artist? Ah, oh, Matt, in my opinion, good, good question. Yeah, all right. In my opinion, what it means to be a successful artist, it means that you achieve some version of the things that you set out to achieve, but that you experience things that you never considered before. Ooh. Yeah. So this is why you're such a good person to interview because your answers are so interesting. Oh, thanks. <laughs> like they are. Like, that's a really good way to put it because it's like, that's kind of true though. Because it also because that because that gives you the idea of like you know what you want, but you're also willing to explore and experiment and accept yeah. the fact that you actually are going to grow. What you're creating, the what you're creating. It's not just about oh, I found the formula to make a lot of money. It's like, well, actually like let's learn, let's experiment, let's create something that is different, let's try things. That's so cool. I like that. That's why you're 
that's where you are and you will continue to be successful because you think that way and you have that mentality. Thanks, man. That's why we're going to see the Lee Putman School of Art at some point <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be like, absolutely. Um, no, I, I do think, honestly, you're going to definitely go places. I feel like you're just the way you are online and the way you speak. And as I said before, like the way you speak, the confidence you have, just kind of the ideas you are and the way you articulate yourself. I definitely feel like, because like you'd be great at like pitching ideas to people. Like, I feel like just the way you speak is so articulate and it's just so like, yeah, I can absolutely see you do so many different things, even in the realm of like, obviously, I don't know if you'd want to do it, but the same way, like art coaching or, you know, art mentoring, like even stuff like that, or even just like pitching for artists or like kind of becoming some kind of art advocate. I feel like, yeah, I definitely feel like you'd be good in a role like that as well as obviously being an artist. I don't know. I feel like you're one of these people who are, you're very well-rounded, I think. Thanks. Yeah. But we'll see. Like, hey, we'll see what the future holds for you because, uh, you know, plenty of years left. left yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's loads to explore. I, would, I mean, I would love to do stuff like, you know how like uh, Brian Cox or, or Neil deGrasse Tyson, they're like yeah. good science communicators uh, mm. and, and they really like, they explore it but they in themselves, but they also communicate it to the wider public without diluting it. Yeah. I would love to do that on an art on an art sense, you know? Kind of yeah. almost like oh. how kind of um like Bob Ross or like Neil Buchanan would do an art attack or yeah. something like this, you know? Yeah. Like, I love yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Art attack, wow, that is the throwback. That's Isn't a it? throwback. Isn't it? Um, yeah, oh, no, that, that is, yeah. With the the Julius Caesar talking head, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh man. That was the best part of it. Well, but um <laughs> so funny that's so funny well that's childhood that is that's a uh, nostalgia right okay so two more questions yeah two more questions so the penultimate question well they're both double barrel questions so what would your younger self think about your work he'd love it man the younger me yeah. would love this stuff and i think like i think i create the stuff that i want to create now with that kind of uh, appreciation in mind. Like when I was younger, I would look at paintings when I was younger and look at paintings like the stuff that I'm making now and love it. Like I used to have, I still have this idea of creating a comic book, just one at one, like uh, one um, issue of like a, a running comic, like a Spider-Man X-Men or something like this. But each panel was an oil painting Ooh, and just doing the whole thing. Like I would like, and but it would be in the style that I paint now and like different yeah. things and the younger me would yeah he'd love it man like to be able to 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 know yeah he'd love it man yeah he'd love it but wait how big would you do that comic book well it'd be um i don't know because it'd have to work when you shrink the images down there'd be a lot of consideration into it but i'd love to do like that or maybe a graphic novel just spend like a year doing it um like just make if I maybe yeah. did that on the side of a building or something, that would be cool. Oh, a comic book on the side of a building? Yeah. Nah, I'd want people to have it in their hands and look. I mean, no, not that I wouldn't want people to look on the side of a building. That'd be nuts. But like, I'd want, yeah, I'd want people to have it in their hands. I want people to be able to look at it and just be like, it'd just be almost like a, like a special edition of something, you know, like this, this, like this artist Lee, whatever, blah, blah. It's the oil painting edition of, I don't know, like, the the new avengers or something like this it'd just be it'd just be really cool i think like a little for i don't know like or a batman thing or something like this something just that something just where you just like because that's what that's what got me into comics was art like i loved it and then obviously i loved the storytelling afterwards but yeah i loved it man yeah younger me would love it i wonder if there's anything that i should think like would be some it'd be really interesting to do some kind of 
I don't know what, but something where you have like limited edition runs from different artists. I don't know of what. Whereas in like, I guess I guess one of the popular things to do, obviously not for your work necessarily, but like is like toys or whatever, and people do that already. But something different where you have like that's not just like a print run or like a t-shirt run or whatever, but something where like an artist can put their own work into a certain space or something. But it'd be like some kind of a limited edition. I don't know. Something like that would be cool. Something collaborative, something interesting. I don't know. That brings people that are completely different together. I have an um, idea for that, actually. Oh, so there's there like a, a, I'm kind of like, I'm sort of doing it now. So on the Facts and Fineliners page, uh, I'm doing my first collaboration with a, a page in India called The Reading Room. So they provided the facts and I do the drawings and narration. Ah. Um, so then we like, we kind of connect audiences. And because also one of my biggest, my second biggest audiences in India. So it kind of like, it's, like, it's nice to be able to do something with someone over there. Um, but I thought about, um, like guest narrators so yes. like having like uh, people that do like kind of there was um one of the guys that like one of my works was a guy called ranger hamza he's on cbbc he does like um he does oh. like these like nature talks where he kind of like teaches kids about whatever and i was like oh, i'd be really cool if i could connect with him and get him to narrate some yeah. stuff and then i was like it would be really cool if i could do like guest artists or guest narrators so let's say there's like um like like celebrities for lack of a better Word, yeah. obviously, and people who are kind of in that field or maybe actors or kind of sports personalities or personalities of some types and they come and they do um like the it'd be like a ranger hamza or let's say i don't know like a like a, tom hardy's the only name i can think of that comes to mind like yeah. a tom hardy edition he comes in and like narrates it or whatever yeah and then it's like yeah. okay cool so you get to enjoy that or maybe there's a guest artist slot for example so it's like um so i do the narration the story but it's about let's say there's an artist that just draws birds there's one on instagram called bird cult he's yeah it does like oh they're amazing man i'd love to do like his um drawings in kind of my filming format and then narrate about the birds that he does and then yeah. but then say like on my website for example have a slot where you can put that artist's work on on the website so then that basically yeah. they can they have a platform where they can sell their work through through my platform for example so let's say facts and fineliners is this big platform and it's like and then i could work with artists that um i could promote their work and we could collaborate and then they could sell their work um yeah. through the platform and if they like if there's someone who hasn't got any experience doing that i can then give them guidance on how to do prints how to market themselves and that kind of stuff and build their audience or whatever and it'd yeah. just be yeah it'd be really cool but that's an idea actually a question for i'm going to ask you now before i do it actually is how comfortable would you be if i sent people over to you if they needed some guidance oh yeah man like i mean is that okay like, yeah of course like, i don't know cool. what i can help with but i mean if... oh no you oh but have you not just did you not see your own art career you know we can with? okay <laughs> okay i'm not sure i believe you there but okay cool um no because i, I there's a lot of artists that I, I already know that would absolutely benefit from just talking to you even for 10 minutes honestly i feel like they would absolutely benefit from that yeah, um, and i i'm the artist matchmaker i send people to people all the time because that's what i do in my life um so if that's good for you i'm always interested in finding like people who i feel like oh this person talk to this person they'll probably give you good advice so that's something you're happy to do I always have to send people over. Absolutely. You just have to warn them, though, that what? if if and when I ever, uh, if they hit me up, and if and when I ever, like, don't reply or I forget to reply or I leave it alone, please just tell them to be persistent and to just remind yeah. me. It's not offensive, and I just need I just reminding like, Send sometimes. them a voice message. He'll listen to it that. at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For and sure. if you do, I'll like, all mention me. He'll probably listen to it then. Yeah. Curse, <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, yeah. curse me from sending them over. No, because <laughs> I feel like you're definitely one of these artists that I feel like has so much. I feel like I said this to a lot of people, because I feel like, so we're going to leave in a minute so i will stop rambling but 
the one thing that I've learned from doing the flying fruit bowl is that everybody has so much knowledge. Mm. And I feel like sometimes you might not realize how valuable you are and how much knowledge you have. And I feel like you are definitely one of these people who have so much knowledge and so many kind of good kind of just good skills to pass on to the next person. So yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely would love to be like, oh, by the way, just uh, have a look at the league because I'm, I'm sure he'll put you in the right direction. If you're happy with that, because obviously I don't want to be like, yes, or be like, no. And then maybe be like, oh, let me just send you like 50 people. I'm pretty sure you won't be too thrilled about that because you're a very busy man. You've got your own stuff to do. But uh, yeah. No, like I, like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't accept it if I didn't want to do it. Okay, so yeah, I, like I said, I'd be happy to, man. Okay, that's perfect. Just I already know people who I'm like, actually, I know you would probably have really cool conversations with them because I'm always, all I'm trying to do is encourage conversations between people. That's all I want to do, you know, realistically. Mm. But okay. Anyways, I'm going to leave you alone in a minute. So the last question, which is a double barrel question. What are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Oh, yeah. So I'm working on two things. Um, one is my contemporary art which is uh, paintings mostly around wildlife and specifically more about the movement in street dance. Um, I am not currently looking to exhibit my work at the moment. Um, I might be doing another show with Constance later in the year. I'm not sure. Um, I think we're, we're kind of in the midst of potentially putting that together. I'm not sure. We'll see how that goes. Um, but other than that, I'm not looking to do any art fairs or exhibitions with that at the moment. That's just I'm just kind of creating and developing. Um, the other thing I'm working on is the commercial side, which is the facts and fine liners. So if you can, if you go on uh, TikTok, I'm under just my name, Lee Putman, um, L-E-E-P-U-T-M-A-N. But if you go on Instagram, facts and fine liners, fine liners are the type of pens that I use um the profile picture will be a wasp that's drawn in fine liners um but that's pretty much where you can find most of the stuff that i'm doing i'm i'm usually on social media with the commercial side just kind of posting up five days a week talking to people the uh and i've also got my page on instagram there where i kind of update people slowly on my contemporary side but i tend not to kind of be on there too much i quite like to keep that yeah. little private at the moment but yeah okay. that those are the things i'm doing at the moment Lee, thank you so much for your time. Oh man, my pleasure, like, man. I really, really appreciate it. Like, I really appreciate it. That concludes the second of final part of my conversation with artist Lee Pullman. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfreebowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Through World podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the word. Please don't forget to check out theflyingthroughball.co.uk for daily art inspiration and if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you're interested in supporting the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page monthly donations. Tears down from £1 and you can find more information over at patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl. Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations. Once again, thank you very much for listening today. Until next time folks, please stay safe. <laughs>